Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus the Hurricane, who would win? Dicker, Dicker. Dicker. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns back with you. Week two preview show. Ready to turn the page, John. Why does it feel like week one has been like three weeks long? I, uh... I have to say, I don't even remember this being. Maybe it's revisionist history. I, I'd have to imagine week the week one follow up after that 2019 loss to the Packers. That must have felt like a month because remember that was a Thursday game, and so there was like a mini buy before you played the next game. But the angst with this one has been, yeah. the panic with this one, I feel like has been way more than that year even. Well, you're coming off a great 2018. Like, he, like here's the contextual differences. Like, there was still hope. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, we were good last year. Maybe this was just a bad game against the Packers. You know? Instead of a bunch of a game full of red flags. For this, coming off a three-win season, a quarterback that you need to develop, an offense that has better weapons, but Chase Claypool not blocking anybody. It just seems more alarming than that one does. If I'm being honest, just in terms of looking at it objectively, because at least, because again, you still have 2018 before the 2019 opener. Yeah. It seems like a more than a more important week two than normal. Right? Like it just, and it's not even about necessarily the wins and the losses. It's just like, it's more about Justin Fields. I feel like, like, let's not forget, this is year three for him. This is, you got to make decisions here quickly. And you only get seven, uh, 16 more games now to evaluate it. And it might not even be that many, you know. Um, you're not guaranteed all those games. So, yeah, um, we are going to that have that exact discussion here. We're very excited about the guests we have coming on today's show. Tim Jenkins, he's been all over Twitter this week. Uh, a lot of Bears fans, I know, are excited about this. Other Bears fans are upset with his video breakdown that he did. Um, but, yeah, in this world that we've been in, with uh, we've had J.T. O'Sullivan in the past from the QB school, and I'm sure we will have him on again. But Tim Jenkins does similar videos and uh, is a quarterback's coach himself uh, with Jenkins Elite. 
So he's going to give us some some very good insight, I think, on what really went down in week one and probably most importantly, how to fix it going forward. Of course, you can join, uh, follow us on Twitter at Hogan Johns is the new Twitter account uh, over almost 3,500 followers now there. Uh, and we Get are those shirts out, Hogue. I know. Well, it's not like I got anything else to do. But we do. I True. think we are up to three more free shirts we got to give out. I will put it on my to-do list today. You know, the funny thing about covering football, it, it, you get surprised by this every year. Maybe it's just me, and obviously coaching at Carmel complicates things a little bit too. But, like, when that ball gets kicked off, whether it's noon, 325, whatever the kickoff is, Sunday, like, I don't ever feel like I can come up for air until Wednesday night. It's just wild. Yeah. See, like my feeling right now is like, we'll take yesterday, for example, like those hours in practice are like some of my favorite hours in the day where I'm not thinking about anything else, like what I have to do later, later in the week, you know, my to-do list here. It's just focusing on those two and a half hours of practice. And I absolutely love it. Like that's almost like your escape from everything else. But then, well, except for then you got Kevin sitting next to you talking about which college football team he's going to pick this week. Yeah. So you got you got to deal with that. Too. No, no, I'm not talking about work, actually. I'm talking about, like, coaching. Oh, I thought you were talking about during the Bears practice. No, no. Like no. having, like, the two hours just to get stuff done. Well, that I like, but that's work. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying when you're at practice. Yeah, yes. okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. And I hope Kevin Fishmate's not there bothering you about college football he, games. He is a very incessant texter, so sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue and at Adam Johns. Merch all available at HoganJohns.com, our new website. Uh, we got hoodies up. It's starting definitely hoodie season. As you can see, just looking at us right now, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, by the way, the, all the JD stuff was restocked this That's week. I wanted to wear this one today. Yeah, so uh, if you're trying to get you those JD it? hoodies, shirts, uh, there's some youth shirts. Actually, I got to put it in order because James needs a new one of his youth shirt. So that's all available for you. Um, HoganJohns.com, ObviousShirts.com, all of it's powered by Obvious Shirts. We love those guys. And. Um, They've been great partners, so please support them as well as this podcast. We thank you very much. If you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit that like button. Please send it to a friend. And if you're uh, listening as a podcast, please write a review. We appreciate you when you do that and uh, spread the word. All right. Well, as we always do on these Thursday previews, this week's a little different. And I think it had to do with the fact that we're still, this just happens to be one of those weeks where we're still... It's Thursday morning, and we're still kind of looking back at what happened Sunday. Yeah, Uh, it's usually not a good thing, but I think it's important to have some of these conversations. So, trust me, we'll break, we'll get into the Bucks here. We'll obviously break down this upcoming game for you, but instead of having a Bucks writer on, we thought it'd be great to have uh, Tim Jenkins join the show today. Um, And you know. I don't have to read off his credentials, but I will. I mean, he's a private quarterbacks coach. His business, Jenkins Elite, is all over the country. They specialize in quarterback, wide receiver, running back, lineman, skill training. Uh, He's in Colorado. um, And obviously, his YouTube channel, Patreon, 
all his breakdowns. He did more than Justin Fields this week. There's a lot of breakdowns on there uh, from quarterback play across the league. You can learn a lot about football if you go check it out. Uh, but he's kind enough to join us on today's Hogan Johns. Here is Tim Jenkins. All right, well, uh, if you're a Bears fan and you probably are listening to this, by there's a pretty good chance you've probably seen uh, Tim Jenkins breakdown somewhere this week, or at least clips of it, maybe on Twitter or somewhere. X, call X, Adam X. No, no, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not. I can't go. Can't go with the X yet. So I'm just not used to it. Um, but anyway, you can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it at T Jenkins Elite. Uh, Tim, thanks for jumping on with us. I know uh, Bears fans will be really excited about us talking to you today, and I'm sure a lot of them have seen your your breakdown. So thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you guys having me. Your guys' stuff is awesome, and everyone's always like, you know how it is. When you kind of start to get into a new market, people are like, hey, here's the place you got to be, and your guys' podcast is always something that everybody's talking about. So I'm pumped up to be here. We usually, well, we usually have a lot of different quarterbacks to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing this quarterback thing now for a while. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. There's uh, yeah, and everyone's calm right now. Fields yes. and every yeah, week one was easy. Week one was great on on Chicago. Everyone's real calm right now. So I actually want to start with you, uh, where you ended your video, which was the question on if it's time to panic in Chicago, yeah. and and. It's it's always an interesting question after week one, right? Because we've all been around this league long enough that we understand that basically everyone's overreacting in some way after the first game. But man, you go through the film just like you did in your video. I mean, this is it's kind of a different level of concern, I feel like, than maybe in, in most markets or on most teams with just, quite frankly, the, the level of bad. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, where are you at on your own question there on on if it's time to panic? Okay, here's <laughs> here's what I think is particularly hard about the film is I feel like you guys watch enough football with with across the league. Most of the time, you can walk away and you go, okay, hey, if we just fix this call on third down, or hey, if we just fix this, we had a missed assignment here, which ended up costing us the game because it was a critical situation. All of a sudden, we're winning with the Bears against the Packers, the coaching and at times play design was god-awful. There was stuff that y- you guys know from coaching that you looked at and you went, I have no idea where the quarterback's eyes are supposed to be here. And and when you say that at the NFL level, that's tough. Then you have missed assignments up front. Then you have missed sight adjustments or just lack of sight adjustments on certain plays. And then you compound that with our quarterback felt like he was trying to get the ball out of his hand, even on plays where it's like, hey, this is a shot play. Go hunt with the football. All of a sudden, we're getting it down to our back. So that when you compound all five of those things, like you lean towards it's time to panic. I also want to be cognizant of, like you said, it's week one, right? It's just there's so many things to fix that it makes you, you know, we're in the, I, I hate talking about this all the time. We're in the midst of a remodel, my wife and I, full house gut. And you sit there and there are so many things you have to do that at night you're like, this will never get done. Because we got to do plumbing, we got to do electrical, you got to do all this stuff. That's where I kind of feel like the Bears' offense is. Simultaneously, can you fix two of those issues, and then all of a sudden you're a competitive football team again? Yeah. So, is it full time to panic? No. Are we in a situation where I feel like there's a lot of things that, in and of itself, are hard to address, and we have four of them? I, I do, and that's part of the that's part of the worry. I think um, when you look at Chicago just broadly offensively, I think we're 
some of the panic is rooted, at least in this town, is like we, we've seen this before. This goes beyond Fields. It's Trubisky. It's it's other quarterbacks we, we won't name because we could go on forever. But like with Fields, and I want to bring up one play in particular because you talked about it on your video, like there's sometimes there's opportunities. Like you, you see the, the receiver coming open. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. Cole Komet settling in the middle. Yep. The two deep safeties are off. And you're just like, throw the ball. Throw the yep. ball. This time he got to his check down, which I think is, is progress for him. Last year he might have run. But, like, what do you say to a quarterback in that situation? Like, take us – you play the position. Like, what are you telling the quarterback when you're looking at the film right there, Cole Komet's wide open? Yeah, well, first and foremost, that play in particular, right, there's a lot of times where you guys know when you watch the All-22, we don't know their reads, right? Yep. You don't know what they're getting coached. That play – you read one way. There's never been an NFL OC who reads mesh with the deep hank different than, hey, shallow to the deep hank to the other shallow to your back. No one's done it different ever, like ever, since it got invented way back when, right? So that's the one where you know this ball has to go to Cole. What you tell him in the meeting room is, is more or less what you tell anybody who you hire and pay a lot of money to do their job, which is, hey, dude, we believe in you. When you get your eyes here, turn this thing free. Don't forget what got you here. You're a dude. You're a starting quarterback in the NFL. You are a guy. Turn that thing free. What I honestly think somewhat hinders Justin is I think he has a lot of people around him who talk to him about how much of a playmaker he is, which he is. Don't get me wrong. He can run the football unlike any of us could have ever dreamed to. I got five yards. I got down. And that was a big run for me, right? When I was playing, this dude can go and be a game breaker, but too many people are talking to him about only being a game breaker. Someone's got to be in there and be like, listen, dude, you can flat out spin the ball, stick your foot in the ground and hit your number two progression when it's there. Stop thinking about working through your progression. Like I think as, as fans and media members, we sometimes remove ourselves and we go, man, I'm pumped to see him go through his progression to a degree right? It's like a catch 22. The fact that he knows his back's the fourth progression on the play. Good. The fact that he passed up a wide open number two in his progression, really, really bad, right? It's like, I'd rather have him not even know the, where the back's supposed to be, but hit his second guy when his eyes are telling him to, then to speed read it and get to his back. So I think it's like, it's, it's kind of a catch 22 with that play. It's also one of those where it's just like, they have to be in there in the quarterback room and they got to sit there and go, listen, man, when this guy is open like this, you need to turn it free. you got to trust yourself. We believe in you. That's why we're putting you in this spot. But you've got to back up our belief by going out there and spinning that thing. Tim, do you think that some of his aggressiveness that we certainly saw in his college film, I understand it was a completely different situation with you know first-round wide receivers and first-round offensive linemen uh, that were just out – matching their opponent every single week. But do you think some of the aggressiveness that we know is built into Justin Fields' game has been coached out of him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a way to turn on his tape and think that he's as aggressive. I mean, again, we're only one weekend, but even as aggressive as he was last year, right, trying to uh, trying to fit the ball in. I think it's such a fine line coaching quarterbacks. I, I really believe that in my soul of it's an art where it's, you have to get these guys to be 90% process. Hey, I go through my progressions. I deliver this ball against this coverage. I get us to – we're only talking pass game. you got to be processing the run game too and the protection game. Hey, I'm going to manipulate the mic. Instead of the true mic, hey, well, plus one, we're going to mic the Sam. 
So we're protected here, and we're going to leave the nickel will unblocked, right? There's so much process that goes into playing quarterback. Hey, you know, we get an over front. We want to kill, kill. We're going to run towards the under front, right? Like there's, or we're going to run towards the run bubble. There's so many things that as a quarterback, you have to be process driven, but there's still that 10%. Okay. You guys had a guy up there who we used to joke about ripping SIGs on the sideline, right? Smoking Jay. He was, he was 40% process at most, right? But that's part of what made him great. Justin, we need a little bit more of where it's 90% process, another 10% man. Go hunt with the football. When we call a shot play, we're not going to get mad at you if you throw the shot, right? I, I mean, I, I think of it a lot as we, uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks that you have to say, hey, a shot called isn't a shot taken. Then there's quarterbacks every once in a while where you got to tell them, hey, man, we call a shot play, go, go ahead and rip it, right? We'll live with the result. Like if I'm an OC, the biggest thing I'm trying to hammer to my, to my quarterbacks is, listen, dude, if I call a shot play and I dial up a cover three beater and you throw it and it's cover three, I'll wear the bullet for you, right? I'll stand up there and talk about how bad of a play call it was. But if you don't hunt with it, that's going to be a different issue. And I think more or less, I'm not sure those those conversations are happening in building, um, which is kind of a bigger concern to me, like overall, than when we have a missed read or a missed assignment here and there physically um, from a player. His anticipation or, or sometimes lack thereof, you know, has come up, you know, throwing with yep. anticipation. Um I guess, what do you make of it? And, and you coach quarterbacks. Like, how do you improve it? You know, yeah. is it just experience? But, like, what would you do? I mean, from a very nuts and bolts perspective, it's your eyes leading you, right? Like, throwing with anticipation is, to me, it's about having my eyes in the right spot. Because if, if I can get my eyes to my number two progression while my number two is still back turned, starting to sink his hips – hey, I'm going to be able to throw this thing on time. If all of a sudden I hang on one a little too long, and by the time I reset, two is chest is to me and that backside safety is driving, hey, maybe I get off him when really that ball should have been on him. So I think a lot of that from a nuts and bolts perspective is I think his eyes are a little slow, to be honest, through his progression. Um, how much of it like can you coach in season? Like That's the work that that, I mean, in all reality, that's the work Justin should have been doing on his own this offseason, and they should have nipped in the butt in OTAs, right, if we're being honest. Now, week one, it's a little late to start to address it. You can hammer it. You can rep it a ton. Um, but, like, I, I do think it's fixable. I think it's one of those things, though, that it takes the right staff. Like, it, there's such a difference between – you guys know this from coaching. There's guys who can teach scheme, and then there's guys who can teach how to actually play in scheme. Right. It's like the paper football version where everyone's open and the whiteboard looks awesome. And the real football version of, hey, I've actually been under center or, hey, I've seen this, this, you know, this guy do it this way, this guy do it this way to where you can coach him to anticipate, hey, this probably ain't going to be there. Still put your eyes there to alert it. But then let's go ahead and reset a little bit faster to that deep hang. Now, it's funny you bring that up. We were watching um, Kevin Fishbane, my colleague at The Athletic and I, we were going through the Bears defense, the the all 22 of them, and we're looking at Tremaine Edmonds at one play where he seems to jump. I'm trying to visualize the play again. Jump something, kind of underneath, crossing him, and but there was like nothing there. And then we looked at Love specifically, where Love. Long story short, Love Jordan Love, who we've yeah. criticized a, a little bit on this podcast, right? Hit him hook like yeah. he manipulated Tremaine Edmonds with with his eyes, where he looked here, Edmonds jumped up into nowhere, no man's land. 
and then quickly moved as someone was coming. Are you talking him. about the the crosser or the touchdown to Aaron? I want to say it was the the crosser. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he kind of no looked that pass too. That was a nice throw by Jordan. Yes. Love, yes. I, I mean, is that an example of what you're talking about? Because I'll be honest, I don't think we've broken down many plays where Justin's manipulating a defender with his eyes. Adam, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you go through the the film more, you know, more than I do. I don't. I can't recall it coming up in conversation. So is that an example, Tim, of, of what you're talking about in a sense with Matt Lafleur, Jordan Love? Yeah, I, I mean, I to be honest with you, I think that's almost the next level of it to add because I think it's one of those things where you sit there and you go like, getting through your progression fast is one thing, manipulating the coverage to make sure your progression is there is a whole different thing. And you guys are right, man. I manipulation for Justin has not been great, right there. Even the most rudimentary level of it is what? Hey, single high safety, four verts, hold the safety in the middle, let's throw a vert, right? we haven't seen a lot of those. Now I'm also not going to sit there and act like we're the most aggressive play callers on planet earth. And we give the guy a ton of four verts, right? Go turn on Tua. I think they ran it more last week, verticals and granted, they got Tyreek and Waddle, right? They may be different personnel wise, but you go turn on their tape. I think they ran it more week one. than we'll see Chicago run it the whole season. If I'm being honest, right? We just don't see a ton of verticals from the Chicago offense. So to me, it's like there are simple ways to use your eyes to manipulate plays, there are more complex ways like where you're saying where it's like, hey, I'm going to actually get this curl flat defender to jump flat harder and then I'm going to get back inside and I'm going to throw a crosser. Like that's that's up there, right? Which is kind of where – listen, I, w- I was in the same boat. There's When you if, when people were asking me, hey, Jordan Love, Justin Fields, who are you going to walk away impressed with? I was like, Fields is going to take a huge leap and I think we're going to see that Jordan Love really ain't that great if I'm being honest what I thought going into it. Now all of a sudden you sit there and you're like – I missed both, right? <laughs> it was what it looks like on week one, which doesn't make me feel great about what I know. But you sit there and you go, there's some stuff from the eye manipulation standpoint that we haven't seen Justin do. I also want to give him credit of Justin makes up for, let's say, eye manipulation with what he can do creating a play. Like, there's concern. I also don't want to get this to where it's like all driving home on Justin Fields because, you know, everybody on planet Earth saw the, hey, we've got boundary cat coming, right, where they're going to send corner pressure from the boundary. We don't have a side adjust. We don't have anyone to block it. We're just going to let our quarterback be out there. No side adjustment. We're not going to block it. And guess what? It's third and nine, and he makes a first down. Like, let's not forget about plays like that where by every metric that play is set up to fail – and that kid made it successful. So, you know, we can say Chase Claypool missed the side adjust. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that there's an NFL receiver out there who has somebody fire off his face and is supposed to side adjust and doesn't. Like, that's a that's a that's an unacceptable result at the high school level to have someone blitz off your face and not adjust. For me to think that there's a guy who's gr- you know grinded it out to this point in the NFL and he's like that's a tough one for me to to believe that. We had it built in, and he missed it. I just feel like we didn't have it built in, um, and we're just kind of more or less letting our quarterback get back there and make a play. Or just, Chase Claypool missed a lot in that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, you could point at that being something that you can correct you know, after one week, and hopefully that's not an issue going forward. I, but, okay, going forward, now you go play Tampa, another team that you know they're going to blitz the hell out of you out of you. You know, it's Todd Bowles. Uh, they played a lot of zone against the Vikings last week. Uh, gave up a 
you know, some big plays here and there. But at the end of the day, end of the day, they held a good offense of 17 points. Yep. What do you do if you're Luke Getze to try to certainly you got to do better than you did in week one. I mean, what, what, what do you change to really get more out of your talented quarterback that you just brought up? Can, can make things happen when nothing's there. If I'm being honest, I think we sit there and we say, okay, if a quarterback's struggling with his progressions, usually there's too much going on for him. So the first thing you do is you pare it down. And then how do you win in the NFL paring something down, right? Like that's the big question. You play with tempo. Everybody knows if I'm going to play simple, I got to play fast, right? To me, you hit them with tempo. It's going to somewhat restrict them personnel-wise. It's going to somewhat restrict them complexity of coverage, complexity of blitz pressure-wise. And then I think you live with the result. I think the reality is, is like, if I'm being honest, I think Chicago is talented on offense. Like, I'm one of those guys who I I know there's like, you know, back and forth on who DJ Moore is. Unfortunately, I watched him a ton. Cause I was watching Carolina a lot last year and it's like I, the dude can flat out play like DJ Moore can play. I think Mooney, when you look at him in the context of, Hey, you're a number three receiver. That's a darn good number three. In my opinion, I think it forces a tough matchup. So do you keep the safety over top of him because he's so fast and then he's matched up against your third best cover guy, or do you roll away from him? And then now all of a sudden you have slot fade all day. Like we've seen every college program in America run, I feel like 60% of their snaps this season is slot takeoff, right? So to me, you play fast, you force some matchup situations, you simplify some shot plays, you introduce more actual QB run plays, like not only design power, but let's read it and then let's have it run to run. Not the whatever they said that thing was where it was like, hey, you know, Justin, speed read it to where we're either going to give it or you've got this quick fade this way, or you've got the whip concept backside. Like that RPO, whatever they drew up, was one of those where it's like, man, I bet you that play looks sick on the whiteboard. And then you ended up squandering a great red zone opportunity because you ran a play that just everyone – like you like as uh, any defensive guy could have walked in and been like, you sure about that? It's just us offensive guys. We get on the whiteboard and it's like Star Wars, and we're all excited. And then you go and you run it on air and practice, dynamite. I do it with my son's first grade flag team all the time. You should see these little guys, man. We can run triple reverse all day on air. You get some defenders out there, the kids lose their mind, right? They get all of a sudden Fumbles. they're on crack and, and, and we just fumble the ball. Like it's just like, hey, we can't have it. So to me, there's stuff that is simplify, play fast, give them an actual couple, few run to runs because from a defensive perspective too, the quarterback run game, you spend a day on, you'll see three snaps of it, but you have to spend a day on it, which is, to me, that's a win in the NFL. It's one less day they're spending on whatever else you have. So that's what I'd like to see from them. Um, am I super confident that we'll get it? No, it, it felt like last year, and, and I don't want to be like a jerk, but it literally felt like last year we finally got innovative when we were out of it, which is sad, right? It takes us not a shot in the world to win the division or in the playoffs to then try things it doesn't matter anymore. We need to try it now while it still matters. And that's what I'd really like to see from this offense is getting creative while these games still mean something. You know, I could quickly turn this into a a flag football podcast because I got (laughs) two sons playing. I actually coached it for a few years, stepped away. We're coaching the full, the full stuff, the real stuff now. But like, um, 
maybe maybe for the next show, Tim. Yeah. Ne- ne- yeah. Next time around, let's let's get a get a few more games yeah. in your in your in our books. <laughs> I I remember the days of you drawing up flag football plays in the middle of press conferences. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I look over and John I like Just, Justin's up on the podium and John's just over there like doodling up some yeah. play. What, what do you think of this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what do you what do you think? You think we're gonna score here? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's crazy. I send out practice scripts. Uh, yeah. It's I take it way too serious. I try to not coach my son's stuff. And then you guys know how it is. You show up at the first practice, and I saw the way they were teaching three step, and I said, yeah. you know what? Maybe I should get. I'm in. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, how about this? I, I want to be careful with this kind of this, this next question because you, you bring up Jay Cutler, smoking Jay. Um, I remember the conversation back then. Like he felt pressure that wasn't there sometimes, and he talked about that himself. The guy was just hit a ton yep. for a lot of his Bears years here, and like Justin Fields was about to like break that, right? Oh, yeah. Like the the, the number the numbers are what they are. He's been sacked a ton. Do you think he's feeling pressure? That's not there sometimes, and, and maybe fleeing the pocket too soon, or, or adjusting his launch point too soon, or you know going through things too quickly. Like, what do you see on film? I know it's just one game, but maybe yeah. go back to last year. I think that last thing you said is the key thing of going through his progression too quickly. Because to me, I don't care if he flees the pocket, right? Like we've got a guy in Denver right now that to me, you know, two thirds of the time hey, play from the pocket, the other third, I don't mind you creating. That's part of what makes you, part of the reason, if we're calling a spade a spade, part of the reason Justin can be great in the NFL is that third of the time that he breaks the pocket. So to me, it's like, is he getting hit too much from a fleeing the pocket standpoint? No, because if he does more of that, I think the Bears offense is better. When he speed reads, though, like you brought up at the very end, and gets to the back, that does not make this Bears offense more explosive. To me, you're putting the ball in an equivalent player's hand from an athletic running standpoint of Justin, and then he can't throw the ball anymore. Whereas if you see that, boom, backside spin out, you guys know how much does that stress the defense? All of a sudden, the quarterback's on the loose. He can still throw it. And oh, by the way, if you, co- like if you come up to stop him because he's super athletic, we'll throw it over your head. You stay back, he's going to gash you for 20 such a better play than getting to my check down too fast. So that's where it's like, does, is, is he getting hit too much? When we start seeing that uptick, that last one that's not better for our offense, I think so. When we see him just simply flee the pocket, there's times where it's like, man, I'd love to see you anchor yourself in the pocket and deliver a dime. But we also have to lean into the fact that that's part of what's going to make him great early in his career. He will eventually not be able to do that. But just because you can't do it at one point, like we should still do it now, right? Like that's part of what's going to expedite that curve for him. Um, So I I think to me, it's like when he leaves the pocket, I think it's a good thing. But when you see him speed read, that's the stuff that really, like you're saying, worries me from a either hit standpoint or or what he's processing and thinking is going on. And and I want to be clear here too, because I can already hear people listening to this and probably being like, well, wait a minute. You guys said he's got to do everything faster uh, and speed everything yeah. up. Well, there's it, when, when Tim's talking about speed reading though, he, he, he's talking about skipping reads. So yeah. like you can't, yes, everybody wants Justin to process faster, but yeah. it, you can't go from one to the check down and skip the yeah. two, which is DJ Moore or Mooney or whoever it was a wide open on that sale route. Like that's yeah. the problem. You still gotta, you can't be skipping reads. 
Yeah, and 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 you can't and and like you're saying to your point, you can't skip them for no reason, right? If 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 you take the shallow because you feel all seven defenders sink, that's one version of speed ring that you sit there as a coach, you go, great job. Yeah. When we skip a progression for what feels like no reason from a pocket standpoint and a coverage, that's when you sit there and you go, hey man, we can't have this. So you're dead on. We want them to process the info faster. But that doesn't mean getting to your fourth progression. A lot of the greats would even tell you, man, hey, if I'm doing my job under center, I, I'm not in my fourth progression, right? Because I eliminated one or two based on coverage, and now I'm reading three, four. And Justin, it's like the play specific that we're all talking about is, hey, it's a second progression, and there was nothing coverage-wise to eliminate one, two, three, and we get to four. And, and that's the issue. Can we talk a bit about Jenkins leading? Just I want to yeah. just like ask you about like your principles and, and coaching philosophies because I feel like there is such a a, a boom like so my, my sons are in a flag football program oh. Tim that has fourteen hundred kids in it yeah in the third and fourth grade level that my second son is in there are thirty four teams of at least fourteen <laughs> kids yeah on each team it's like it's insane yeah. A lot of football coaches. I'm just curious. Like we could we could talk coaching philosophies all day because yeah. we love it. Adam and I both love it. We both do it for a reason. Like, what are your core beliefs? Like, what what do you stand yeah. upon? What do you think is wrong with quarterback coaching out there? In another way, yeah. I mean, so to be honest, our our core mission statement is you treat every kid like it's your own kid, right? Because that then leads you to what being honest with a parent, right? Where hey, this kid can't play because that to me, like our industry, uh, part of why we've grown is because I loved being coached. And so for me, that really the, the issues that I see is the high school, college level, right? Because NFL level, these guys are all their own business. They're going to come train with you, and the coach ain't going to say anything because it's like you, you both mind your own lane. The high school, college level is a little bit more protective of their athletes, and rightfully so because they've gotten burned by guys who, like me, were like, hey, I played. And then they get, they get them, and they say, you're reading shallow all wrong. And it's like, how would you know? You don't coach their guys. Maybe they need to read it basic to the shallow instead of shallow to basic because guess what? Their their slot receiver runs a 5-6, right? Like, <laughs> hey, there's different coaches that have to coach different stuff. It's not because they want to. It's because they're personnel. So, listen, we, we, we grew so fast because I like to be coached. We don't step on the coach's toes. And then we're just honest with, with our parents, right? We, we now have 10 locations across the country. I wish our coaches were better sales guys sometimes. Um, but we, I see a lot of evals come over my desk that they're like, hey, man, uh, if you spend money with us, it, it, it's like probably not a great return on investment. Now, there's a lot of parents that still decide we want him in structure. We want him to work hard at something and it's worth it to them. But the important thing is to be honest with people. So, yeah, I think that's why we've grown. I think, to be honest, my bigger concern right now in the football landscape is more the seven on seven side of the high school game because it, there are some programs that do it at a really do a really good job with it. There's a lot, though, where it's we're starting to see like the AAU effect of my big fear is that one day Friday night doesn't matter. And that's like what we can never allow football to get to, because I think that running out on Friday night in front of your classmates and like seeing them, you know, on Monday in English after a big win, there's nothing like it. And what we can't do is let it be to where like the club is where you get recruited, like where we've seen with soccer or basketball. So that's my big fear with it. 
I think ultimately, you know, in every industry, you have some guys that, that pretend like they fix people. The reality is we, I think we help athletes get to where they were going just a little bit quicker, right? I think we have the tools to help speed up your progression. But at the end of the day, man, I had a quarterback coach growing up. I was a super average kid in high school. I ended up getting a shot in the NFL because I worked my tail off. My coach gave me a lot of tools, but there were a lot of 6 a.m. throwing sessions that he wasn't at, right? And he would tell you that, and our coaches would tell you that about our guys. Um, But we just hope to get those guys there a little bit faster and then hopefully help them avoid some pitfalls that that we all face. And a lot of that you guys know from coaching is coaching them on what to do off the field, right? The reality is is there's a lot of young players that careers have gotten derailed because they were just hanging around the wrong people. And sometimes if you have a guy who played at a high level telling your son that, it means a little bit more than dad, unfortunately. I see it with my own son, man. You should see the way I have him go do lessons with our coaches in Denver because even though I taught our coaches in Denver what to teach, hey, he sometimes takes it a little bit better from them than from dad, you know? <laughs> no, I get, no, I get it. I, I stopped coaching my oldest son uh, in, in two sports just because it's, it was time for no more. I wanted to be his dad again. You yep. know, to be him to be that support system as as opposed to coach dad, which some kids have a tough time separating. Yeah. Like that's a whole another. And we could probably go for an hour and a half. That's on another coach podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to make sure our listeners know too that uh, to check out. If you didn't see the breakdown, go check it out. Um, it, on the on Tim's YouTube channel. Uh, and then the Patreon too. So all things QB is what you want to look up. But uh, for even more, you know, football junkies like us, uh, subscribing to the Patreon, there's extra stuff there. All things QB, um, and yeah, it's called Jenkins Elite too. The uh, program that that you run. So awesome stuff, Tim. I'm sure we'll talk to you again down the line here soon. And um, you know, maybe the film will look look better after this box so. game. It yeah. better. I hope so. I hope so. My Twitter mentions also hope so because man, it's gotten a yeah. little. Gets a little hot in Chicago. So I appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, you guys just tell me when and I'd love to come back. All right, there he is, Tim Jenkins. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces 
maybe with a Hogan Johns pull or quarter step, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Johns. Well, it's time to move on to week two. Three big questions. I'm trying to get better. You put like a question mark at the end of it. Three, three big, big questions? Three big questions? Three small questions? All right, what's number Rock one? Burgundy style. Number one, will DJ Moore have more than two catches in week two, Adam Hogue? Uh, he better. And if he doesn't, I think I'm just going to give up on the season. I think I'm just going to pack it up. Yeah, I think I'm just going to pack it up and not even do this. Because, like, what what did we do the whole offseason? What was the point of that trade? What was the point of all those training camp practices, OTA practices even, where we're like, oh, this looks like Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall. So if you're not even going to feed him the ball, I don't know what we're doing here. Are you telling me to, to feed him the ball so that training camp wasn't a waste of our time? That's right. What a waste of time training camp was, guys. <laughs> Do you know how many times that gets referenced on CHGO, by the way, from commenters and super chats? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, pe- Good? Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'll take it as a good thing. I think it's a good thing for you. I don't think it's a good thing for the Bears. Um, yeah, it, that better not have been a waste of time. Throw him the damn ball. Also, use Chase Claypool properly. I'm not giving him a pass. That film's horrible. I'm not giving him a pass. But if you're just going to have him out there to block, then put Equinemius St. Brown in the lineup. If you're going to have Chase Claypool active on Sunday, throw him the ball too. Give him a chance to make a play. Use your personnel properly. In DJ Moore's case, just use him. I feel like that whole Chase Claypool conversation like it's about coaching like get him engaged in a game so when you need him in the screen game like he's ready to go he's with you he's not going to be an issue which you know we know his history at this point get him the ball get him engaged get him going make him feel part of this offense Um, again we're not giving a free pass but this is how coaching works sometimes Mark Mark Carmen had a Great analogy on Monday, I thought, where he's like, it's the equivalent of a big man running the floor. If he's going to do it, you got to feed him the ball. You, you got to reward him for for doing that, right? And that's how you get him engaged. If you got a big guy running the floor in basketball and you don't reward him for doing so, like he's going to check out. 
or he's yeah. going to, you know, he's going to get tired. And, and like, again, that's not giving Chase Claypool a pass. The tape's awful. Can't happen. I honestly wish Flus was a little bit harsher. I, I'm, he's clearly the Lovey Smith style of, like, I'm never going to call my players out publicly. But at some point, if you're going to preach all this hit stuff, like, there's got to be a level of accountability, too, with it. And I hope that that's happening behind the scenes. I'm. What percent chance do you think there is that Claypool is inactive Sunday? I guess we'll have to see what he does in practice, right? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that's still a fluid situation. Yeah, like, I, I would. I don't think it's likely, but I'd say twenty five percent chance he's inactive. Yeah, it feels unlikely, but if he's having bad practices and you, and you know this, this coaching staff is grading it hardly, harshly, hardly. Not Harley grading it. You know what I mean. Hard. But if you are, hard. but if you are doing that, which they say they do, you got to hold them accountable to it. Correct. That's coaching too. Number two, on a scale of one to ten, ten being the highest, how concerned are you about the loss of Nickelback? Not the band, but the player, Kyler Gordon. Nickelback, the band, one. <laughs> Nickelback, Kyler Gordon, eight, seven, eight. This is a player that we talked about being one of the best players on the field of any position throughout training camp. He was my defensive MVP of training camp. That matters. Um, And then I would elevate it, honestly, to like a 10, seeing Josh Blackwell on the injury report, too. With, with what, a hamstring, I think? Not good. Like, I, who's your nickel? You. Can Terrell Smith kick inside? Is that is that the move you make? I don't think that they... Was, that was another name that came up yesterday with Matt Eberflus. That That would be my guess that they that they would do. And that, that part's maybe exciting, but... Uh, yeah, this is not great. You're going to have injuries, but... Um, it, it, look, on one hand, Kyler Gordon really hasn't arrived or proven that he's the type of player that you're like, oh, he's out. That's a problem. Like, how are they going to scheme again? You know, I don't know if he's gotten to that level. But based on what we saw in training camp, that's the player I thought he was going to become this season. So even though it hasn't happened yet, I still think it's a huge loss. Number three. Are we guilty of overrating the impact of the loss to the Packers on the Bears locker room? That locker room has a lot of newcomers, veteran newcomers, a lot of young players. So are we guilty of overrating the impact of the loss to the Packers on the Bears locker room? So let me clarify the question here. Specifically the fact that it came to the Packers? Because that part I do think we're overreacting a little bit to. I don't know, though, about the way in which... Like, remove the opponent. Just all the hype that came into it. Well, the Packers would be part of the hype. Sure. But I'm just... Just hypothetically, remove the opponent's name out of there, okay? This team clearly seemed to have a sense of belief in themselves. I, I mean, I think in hindsight, maybe we can say they were overconfident a little bit. Um, we were obviously overconfident in what they had become or what they could be. 
and the way in which they lost, the way in which they played, the way in which they had zero answers really on either side of the, the, the ball. That part I don't think we're overreacting to. I, and I think that, that probably inside the building, that's more of what they care about, more what they're trying to fix this week than, oh, it came against the Packers. And that's what has me, you know, just like we talked about with Tim Jenkins, right? The What's the level of panic? You, I was not at House Hall yesterday. I'll be there today. We're recording Thursday morning. What was that vibe like yesterday? See, like, what was it like in there? I, I'm not going to get carried away with... Because the vibe that we get as media members is different than what goes on when we're out of that room. It right. just is. How many times have we walked into that room and music is going? As soon as we walk in, the music is turned off. Like Music changes mood. It changes mental chemistry. Like All, all this stuff. You know, and, and there's different conversations being had. Like players leave when we're in there. Sure, they don't want to talk about the Packers game. So, like the media vibe is different than maybe the actual vibe that's happening. You try to read the tea leaves a bit in terms of what Matt Eberfus is saying. Luke Getzey and Alan Williams are talking later today. Today is Thursday. It's about nine thirty Thursday morning. They talk in a few hours. But I still think there's some red flags that exist, and a lot of it is rooted in that we're still stuck on that game. We can't move on. I'm sure they want to move on, but I'm telling you in this first press conference with Luke Getze and Alan Williams, they're not going to be asked about Baker Mayfield or Todd Bowles right away. It's still going to be Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love who come up. Right. Right. And that part I always find somewhat awkward about the Thursday coordinator press conferences because you know in their heads, almost every single week, they are they are well beyond the, the opponent from last week. But they handle it pretty well. And Getsy knows that going into today. Yeah. So. Um, All right, quickly, these over-unders? Yeah. All right. This is from Quinn McConkie on Twitter. Over-under on screens. Let's, call, let's count all screens. Wide yeah. receiver screens. We obviously saw a lot. Um, we actually got a few on Twitter uh, on this topic. Um, Quinn has this set at seven and a half. So I'm going to go under. Um, part of that's a correct, you know, correcting the last week. But but at the same time, you know, I never counted the amount of screens. I, I bet you if you actually counted them up, though, I'd, I bet you it was actually under last week. I agree. Like it was probably only five or six. Or maybe even seven. I'm not I don't. I, again, I'd have to go back and check, but like it just seemed like a lot. In, in my experience covering this team, like sometimes those screens just come out, come at like big moments, right? And that inflates the number in your head of how many times I actually ran it. So when you go back and I actually count it, like I've done this in games before, like going back to the Trubisky years and even the Cutler years, and it's always less than you think it is, right? You know, you run in fifty-five offensive plays, you might have four or five wide receiver screens. Well, and not every horizontal throw is a screen. And not every play that requires some perimeter blocking is a screen. So there might have been over seven and a half plays where like the play got busted because a wide receiver didn't or a tight end didn't make their block. But like off the top of my head, obviously the screen they ran to start the game, the one they tried to throw to Claypool that got tipped and he didn't catch. Um, the weird one where they had the tight ends and the fullback out to the left and Tanya missed the block. Um but that's only three right there, right? That Tanyan block doesn't get mentioned enough. If we're going to rip Claypool, yeah, that, that was Tanyan bad. One, that Tanyan one was bad. Who only played horrible. three or what? He played three or four snaps. Yep. 
There's a one where Komet missed his block, but I don't know if that was a screen or just a little swing pass. Um, but that was a bad angle he took. He's got to come out flatter to get in front of the guy. Most dangerous man. Um, yeah. I think it's under, and it might have been under last week, too. This is from Brandon. Over, under, and touches for Roshan Johnson. Ten and a half. Oh, I'll take the over on that one. Yeah? Yeah. Well, he went, got- he went over that last week, Yeah, didn't but that was... Garbage time, playing late. See, I don't think he comes out as the RB1. Herbert played okay last week, by the way. Like, he graded out well on on my review of the, the film. Not as high as Roshan. But I think there's something to be said for getting Roshan more touches instead of Foreman at this point. Here's the other thing, John, you got to keep in mind. Who's your best blocking running back? Roshan Johnson. You're playing a team this week that blitzes. They had like... Um, you're playing a team where you're going to have to go seven protection quite a bit. I feel like there's one play where Johnson's in the slot, right? There's a Deontay Foreman run, and they're both on the field together. Am I visualizing this correctly? Like, this play existed. <laughs> you sure it didn't exist in your flag football notebook? No, no, this is okay. real. I don't have a flag football notebook anymore. <laughs> Full 11 guys now. Okay. Um... I'm going to go over. You're going under? I'm a, 9 to 10. I still think like if the Bears are ahead of the chains and the game is tight, you'll see more touches for Herbert. Uh, probably not. Uh, probably not. Um, this is from Federalist. Claypool loafs over under 17 and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's some humor in this. Um but yeah, just to further the Chase Claypool conversation, like there better not be a single loaf on the screen. If he plays. Team, if he plays. I think he will play. But I'm guessing you're going to see a different Chase Claypool if he plays against the Bucks. Oh, man. All right. Uh, last one. From Doom Shrek. NFC Central mentions. Yeah. Over under half. See, I... I don't remember from past Bears-Bucks games if that is a thing that gets mentioned. Um, usually in the past, so I've been in the press box not watching the TV copy, so I don't know. Yeah, let us know. It's a, it's, I love it. I hope there's one. There should be. But I feel like this is so far removed from the Bucks being in the NFC Central that what percentage of the population even remembers that? I mean, we there do. are definitely Our generation does right, but there are young listeners of this podcast. Are like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers used to be part of the Bears division. Yeah, used to be a five-team division with the Bucks being the fifth team, and it was the NFC Central. And they were starting to become good. Remember, that's when they had Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Wart Dunn, Mike Allstott. They had different quarterbacks. Right. Brad Johnson, John King, Brad Johnson. That he, they won the Super Bowl. They from Tony Dungy to um, to John Gruden. Ah, the memories. What year did that change? Mike Allstott. There's a local legend, Julia Catholic's finest. My high school plays Julia Catholic this weekend. How about that reference? Uh, renamed as the NFC North in t- 2002. Yeah, so it's been it's been 20. 20- 
one years. Okay. Every day, there's something like that that makes me feel old. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, well, let's get to our our picks. We did. We screwed up last week um, and forgot this. Gold predictions. Shout out to uh, those that sent me messages and tweets and called us out on it. I tried putting mine on Twitter, the old Cole Clement touchdown, and I won't go there this week. I'm not even sure. you. How does that count as bold when you said he would lead the team in touchdowns? <laughs> well, I got to like have that established. So when I remove the bold prediction, that's when the production comes. That's when he scores the touchdowns. Exactly. So stop doing that. It's not happening this week. Okay. All right. So here we go. Fox noon. Back in the old normal Fox noon window. Bears at Bucks. The Bucks a three-point favorite. Again, this was one time Bears favored by one and a half. First, here's my bold prediction. Mm-hmm. Three sacks by the Bears defense. Oh, really? Three. One, okay. two, three. No. That is bold. If, if it was Mike Glennon at quarterback, maybe four or five. Okay. Former Bucks quarterback, former Bears quarterback. Um, I'm picking the Buccaneers in this just because, yes, the old pick the better quarterback thing applies here, but. I want to see it. Like, week one was so bad Wait, for to me. To be clear, you're saying Justin Fields is the better quarterback. He should be. He should okay, be. Okay, I just want to make sure. It almost sounded like you were saying Baker Mayfield was the better quarterback. No. Justin Fields should be. Okay. I think he is. But after week one, like, I'm just stuck on the thought of how much it reminded me of games past. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the Packers thing. Maybe I'm overrating it. Maybe I'm stuck on it more than the Bears are. But in terms of my predictions, I want to see Justin Fields do it. I want to see him do it against the zone defense you're going to get from the Buccaneers. I want to see him do it against the blitzes you're going to get from Todd Bowles. They're going to come after him. It's going to be very similar to the Packers game. I want to see him beat it. Until then, I'm picking the Buccaneers we'll by three. I'm going to go 24-21. Yeah, it, what concerns me in this game is really that Bucks defense. Like It looked... It looked legit, and I think we already kind of knew that it was pretty good. Um, so, is this the best get-right game? I don't know, but I still like Tim Jenkins hinted at. Like, I still like the pieces on this offense. Like, I feel like the Bears should be able to do enough. So, um, the first thing is DJ Moore. I have down as my bold prediction has eight catches in this game. Okay, that's my first. That's how many of, of those are at or around the line of scrimmage? Well, maybe half of them. Maybe half of them. But I do think there's a couple downfield too. Maybe some one-on-one situations. You know, an underrated play in that entire game was the catch DJ Moore almost made on that two-point conversion. I mean, because that was another awful play. That didn't make any sense. And Justin just threw it up there as he's getting hit. And he was not open. And he pulled that thing down and got his feet down. And unfortunately lost the ball as he hit some guy's camera on the sideline. That could not have felt good, by the way, landing on a camera. Um, so here, here's where I'm doing here. I'm giving the Bears one more week. My reason for picking the Bears in this game has more to do with 
and you're probably can see a theme here as we go through these other games we pick. Week two, week one overreaction, week two corrections. Okay, I think this is definitely one of those games that you should be circling in the on the NFL schedule this week as a correction game. Where everybody's overreacting to the Bears' loss, the way in which they lost. Everybody's overreacting to the Bucs and how they won. Okay, I don't think this Bucks offense is that great. Of course, the Bears' defense needs to prove themselves, too. I am definitely worried after the Bears' first game, but I am going to give Luke Getze the benefit of the doubt for one week here that he can look in the mirror, look at last season, and understand that those changes they made out of that mini-buy need to be made now. Not five weeks from now. Now. And I think if they do that, you get Justin Fields moving the ball better. You get him playing with more swagger, which is the number one thing that kid needs to have success. And despite the heat, despite, you know, and honestly, I don't even know what the weather is right now as we're doing this. Um, Keep talking. I am going to have the Bears win not necessarily pretty, but how, you know what? I'm just going to flip your score. I'm going to say Bears 24, Bucks 21. Okay. So the current forecast I'm getting for Sunday is ooh, maybe rainy. 90, okay. humidity 72%. Not a lot of wind, but precipitation estimate right now, 60%. Mm. Scattered thunderstorms on Sunday. I think that can help. Steamy. Steamy. Weird things happen in, in Tampa. Um, to your point, in 2019, the Bears won three in a row after losing week one to the Packers. Wasn't great after that, but they, they won. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Anyway, uh, who cares? All right, Bob. We start with Thursday night. Prime video game, guys. Don't forget, last week I know it was on NBC because it was the opener. This is a prime video Thursday night game. Vikings at Eagles, minus seven. If you are, uh, you know, like me and worried about Jalen Carter, dream about Jalen Carter, you know, weird things like that, you might not want to watch this game. How much are you dreaming about Jalen Carter? Well, you know. I like Jalen Carter. I think. Okay. I'm I'm excited to watch him tonight. Okay. So, <laughs> seven points. John's Eagles favored here. Big spread. Who you got? Kirk Cousins to cover. Eagles win. Wow. So last year, week two, Minnesota had to go to Philadelphia. They don't like going to Philadelphia. And to play the NFC Championship game there after the Minneapolis Miracle, they got pounded. Last year's game was not competitive. They got off to that great start, but their one loss was that 24-7 loss primetime. I think it was a Monday night game, not Thursday night. Um, so I'm a little worried that this is just one of those matchups where like a team just knows they own the other uh, in that stadium. But again, I'm going to go week one correction. I don't think the Vikings offensively are as bad as it looked at times against the box, but this is another good defense. Um, so I don't think it's pretty. I do. I want to take the Vikings just too many points for me. 
probably would stay away from this one, but I have the Vikings oh, covering. Yeah. This Still is, a game, though, the Eagles are like, you clearly, the game's over, and you're like, yeah, the Eagles were in control. Backdoor cover. Backdoor cover. Yeah, maybe something like that. All or it wouldn't shock me, though, if it's a complete blowout either. True, true. But even then, you could feel like a complete blowout to like the very end, and there's a cheap touchdown, right, with in the final minute. Yeah. All right, next one. We tried to reach out to the man who died in this pursuit. Uh, they were unavailable for comment. <laughs> Micah, back. Yeah. Uh, good laugh. Uh, Fox noon against the Bears game. Packers at Falcons. How about the Falcons being favored in this game by one point? So were the Bears. Same yeah. spread. Uh, BJ, Bijan Robinson. Bijan, I almost called him. Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Good player. He's on my fantasy team. <laughs> Very good player. Oh, good week for you. Mm. Yeah, well, except for Tyler Algier stealing all his touchdowns. Jerk. Robinson had one. He had one. He actually caught that pass and ran in. And he did. Ran through a few guys. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of like a week one correction, I, I think the Packers might be okay. Maybe Jordan Love isn't as good as he was, at least statistically speaking. Like, there were still some bad moments for Jordan Love. I was going to say, can we point out that there was like at least five throws in that game where he was, they were not good balls. And yet he finished with the highest passer rating of any quarterback. So that's more on the Bears defense. That's another discussion. Um, Read something by Kevin Fishbane, by the way, on The Athletic coming later today. Um, It's Thursday. I'm going to go Falcons. Okay. Just because tight game. Falcons have a few playmakers. I think they know what they want to be. Arthur Smith, good play caller. Falcons. Yeah, I like the Falcons here, too. Um, I don't necessarily trust Desmond Ritter at quarterback. That's the one thing I'm I'm still worried about. In fact, I might even give Jordan Love the edge, to be honest, from that standpoint. We'll learn more this week. Part of the reason why I'm excited to watch the Vikings and Eagles tonight is because I think how the Vikings play will give us a better idea of really what the Bucks are from that first game, right? Like, this is where you learn a little bit more about these teams. I don't think the Packers are as good as they showed against the Bears. But for the Bears' sake, they probably hope that they are <laughs> because it looked that bad. Uh, I'm going to go with the Falcons here as well. His quote, courtesy of Adam Hoge. Fox Noon. Seahawks at Lions. Lions, three-point favorite at home. Um, do I take back a lot of the things I said about the Lions after they beat the, the Chiefs? Or was it just a wide receiver who couldn't catch the ball hurting the Chiefs' victory chances? Um, Look, I think the Lions are good, but I think they got too much credit after that win in Kansas City. Okay, thank you. So I'm not wrong in thinking what I'm about to say. Um, I still want to see it more. Weird week one game for the Chiefs. Obviously, they're missing Travis Kelsey. And Kadarius Tony decided not to catch the ball. Literally tipped the ball to a Lions defender for the pick six. Yeah, not and then good. had that drop later, too. That other, If he catches that one, I think the Chiefs win, too. Ball's moving. First down. Um, I'm going to take the Lions here. Everything I just said. But I, I still want to see it. I think the Lions cover maybe, again, like 24-21, something like that, 28-24. It's a good game, but the Lions win. I think the big question with the Lions, is their, is their defense good, or were they just really helped by what the Chiefs kept dropping 
uh, in that game because this is the Seahawks offense that should be better than what they showed last week against the Rams. Geno Smith should be better. Those weapons they have should be better. Uh, this is one of those games that could end up in the 30s to me. Um, but at home, I do think the Lions are a good football team. Even with the Seahawks playing better, I I'm, I think this is an entertaining game. It might end up right on the number, quite frankly, three. So I don't. I would stay away from this one, but I am tempted to go with the Lions. So I will. Pool reporter Adam Hodge. 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 His interview with referee Tony Carrenti. CBS noon. Chiefs at Jaguars. The Jags, two-and-a-half-point home dogs against Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs have Travis Kelsey back. Chris Jones is back. Did you see them, like, at practice, that, that video clip that's going around where Travis Kelsey runs and gives Chris Jones, like, a, a huge hug? And they I didn't see that, up. no. Yeah, the vibes are good in Kansas yeah. City. Give me the Chiefs, and here's my lock. I didn't give you a lock last week, but this Ooh. is my lock. Hit the you button. Lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Chiefs by a touchdown. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree with you. But I think the Jags are... I still think the Jags are a good team. There was a fluky play in that game against the Colts where, like, the ball looked like it was dead. A guy picked it up, and then nope, everybody just stopped, and then it got punched out, and then the Colts returned it for a touchdown. And it was like, that game really wasn't, shouldn't have been as close as it was. Uh, Jags go back home. I think the Chiefs pull it out. Two and a half is a weird number here, but I have the Chiefs winning by one point. So I'm going to take the Jags to cover here. From a one-point loss to a one-point win. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. I think we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on. Fox 305, 49ers at Rams. I ignored the two Monday night games. I don't know. I like this this matchup. Yeah, the Monday night games are weird. Uh, 49ers, Rams, always fun. Rams are six-point dogs, despite their nice win over the Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah. The spread stuck out to me. Um, I would take the Rams and the points. Right. I do think the 49ers might be one of the best teams. Like, is Brock pretty for real? Like, is this <sighs> is this really happening again? Like, this he is looked, legit. He looked efficient. He's running that offense. There's a lot of weapons. If those guys are all healthy, man, the 49ers are hard to beat. They're just always running with, like, such momentum, aren't they? Don't forget that Shanahan owns McVay, too. I think that's baked into the spread a little bit. I know it's a lot of points, but... I can't. I cannot pick the Rams in one of these matchups. Really, even with this six points, I, mean, I would take 49ers. the Rams at the points, but the 49ers are going to win by like five. Yeah, see, I still, I still think it might be a double-digit win for the 49ers. They're good, man. They're very good. Be a solid Super you know, Bowl Nick, pick. Nick right Bosa now. was like the the 49ers, 49ers highest-rated defender. Yeah, and he did not do anything <laughs> until he got his new contract. Just a special player. I uh, I know there's all that hype about Sam Darnold, right? In the preseason, when they traded Trey Lance, 
I looked at that differently. I look. I I had my doubts about Brock Purdy, but Shanahan must really like Brock Purdy. They must be very confident in Brock Purdy for them to to just trade away the guy that they gave up three first round picks for. What a fun story! Last pick in the draft. It's crazy. It shows a lot about an organization that they could withstand a trade that bad. They win. Winning yeah. covers up like such conversations and such heat. Yep. Yep. The Bears need that for sure this week. Without a doubt. Um, it's been a fun pod. Thanks to Tim Jenkins for coming on Bears Bucks in Tampa on Sunday. Johns will be there with all the coverage. I will not be there. Oh, yeah. You're not going on this one. I'll be in Kansas City. Kevin will be there. Kevin will be there. Finish or follow at Kfish Ben. You can follow us at Hogan Johns. We'll have some fun stuff on Sunday as well. Of course, CHGO will have you covered with a pregame show at 11, immediately following the game. CHGO, probably for a couple hours, followed by Hogan Johns. We will be live too. As soon as the CHGO postgame wraps up, we'll be live on this YouTube channel here on Hogan Johns. Uh, and of course, you can always listen to it as a podcast as well. Follow us on Hogan Johns at Hogan Johns on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, whatever Johns calls it. I don't know. Q. Q. I don't know. Why is it X? Why did they just name it T? Why not just Twitter? Branding. Why not Musk? Musk. <laughs> anyway, that's enough. Um, anyway, it's for us, it's just at Hogan Johns, wherever you want to follow us. And then uh, HoganJohns.com. Check out the merch. Go buy it. We appreciate all the support. We'll talk to you on Sunday after the game. Yeah. New Year, same old f***ing bears. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.